does not support BDS. UNRWA, as imperfect as it is, is the vehicle through which we are accomplishing uh, that important humanitarian objective. And so consumers are responsible for the growth in emissions as much as uh, the oil and gas sector in Alberta is. And so we have to do both. When the emergency summit on anti-Semitism was called, the only Jewish leader of a federal party was not invited to participate. That's some of what it sounded like Monday at our CJN federal election debate. We hosted it together with CJA, the Center for Israel and Jewish Affairs, and it was an honor to be one of the two moderators, alongside my colleague Avi Feingold. He hosts the CJN's Bonjour Chai podcast. Now, you can watch the full 90-minute debate on the CJN's YouTube channel, and it's also up on our Facebook page. Now, for our podcast, it's a lot shorter, so we'll do a short version. First of all, This is what it looked like. All the major political parties were invited to send a candidate to participate in the debate. The People's Party was not invited as we followed the Federal Election Debate Commission's guidelines. The Bloc Québécois didn't respond by deadline. So our three live debaters were, in alphabetical order, Dr. Hal Berman for the New Democrats. He's the son of a Holocaust survivor. He's a palliative care doctor. And this is his third attempt to win a federal seat. He's running in a suburban Toronto riding called Willowdale, where about 60% of the residents are Jewish. The Liberals sent the Honorable Marco Mendicino. He's a cabinet minister in the Trudeau government. He represents Eglinton Lawrence. That's a riding in Toronto with a very sizable Jewish population, about 22%. He's been holding the Immigration, Refugee, and Citizenship portfolio, and Mendicino is the son of Italian immigrants. The Honorable Michael Chong represents the Conservative Party of Canada. He's held his mainly rural southern Ontario riding of Wellington-Halton Hills for six elections. Chong was a cabinet minister under Stephen Harper's government. He has been the Conservative's shadow critic for foreign affairs. Chong is also the son of immigrants. His Chinese father and Dutch mother both owe their freedom, he says, to Canadian soldiers who liberated them in the Second World War. Now, the Green Party did send a little greeting, a video greeting, uh, even though they didn't send a candidate. But their leader, Anami Paul, sent in a short video from Prince Edward Island where it was very, very windy, as you will hear. And as a member of the Jewish community, as the first Jewish woman to lead a federal party, I am so proud of the efforts in the community to be involved and engaged in this election because it matters. It matters because we care about our climate. It matters because the community cares about ensuring a life of dignity for everyone. And it matters because we know that within our community and others, Uh, that hate is rising, that intolerance is rising, and that we need to raise our voices. I'm Ellen Besner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Tuesday, September 14th, 2021. Welcome to the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. So a little bit of some behind-the-scenes intel here for you, in case you want to know how we put the debate questions together. Well, we wanted to have Jewish themes, of course, and also more general themes, too. So we asked Canadians to send us their questions, and they did, and you did. And literally, this is the theme of the podcast, which is what Jewish Canada sounds like, right? So we didn't get to broadcast all these questions during the actual debate. So here are a few of yours. I have a question for Mr. O'Toole. 
if fighting anti-Semitism is a priority for your party, why is there no mention of it in your platform? Thank you. Uh, my first question is, do you support Israel's right to defend itself? Second question, do you support Hamas? Thank you. My name is Eric Adelman. I live in Victoria, BC, in the Cowichan Malahat Langford riding. This is a question for Dr. Hal Berman of the NDP. How do you reconcile being a representative of the NDP whose riding associations voted that the most important issue to be discussed at the NDP convention was the IRA definition of anti-Semitism, who has a host of MPs who openly campaign against the IRA definition of anti-Semitism. So obviously you wanted us to challenge the candidates on Jewish issues such as anti-Semitism, the different parties and how they support Israel and how they handle the Palestinian issue. And we put these questions to them. So here are some of their answers. We'll have Dr. Berman first, then Mr. Chong, and finally, Mr. Mendicino from the Liberals. So I think it's really important to be clear and accurate. There is no resolution and the NDP does not support BDS. We do not think that it is, that it is appropriate. There has been no resolution. I'm sorry, no. I'm sorry, that is not correct. And we reported <clears throat> on it. Yeah, there was I, resolution I know. passed. If you'll allow me to finish, because this is probably more than just a soundbite. The resolution that was passed talked about restricting trade from areas that were occupied by Israel, not restricting trade with Israel itself. And the BDS movement is actively trying to restrict all trade, all intellectual cooperation with Israel itself. And we do not support that. We don't think it's the right thing to do. And there are, there are some people in the party, there are some people in every party who probably do support BDS. However, in each party, decisions are made. Ours are made democratically, and we do not support BDS. So how do, do I reconcile- Do you personally support BDS? Pardon me? Do you personally support BDS? No, I do not support BDS. Jagmeet Singh does not support BDS. All right, Mr. Chong, what will happen to all the commitments that were made uh, in this summer to Canada's Jewish community uh, with the anti-Semitism summit July 21st? If your party gets elected, what happens to these commitments? Well, I think uh, standing up to hate and discrimination in all its forms is really important. You know, let, let me just say this. Um, you know, I was born to a Chinese father, you know, and I'm a visible minority um, who grew up in this country and who has the lived experience of being targeted uh, for my race. And I know firsthand what it's like to be you know, subject to that kind of hate and discrimination. We, we as Conservatives believe strongly in standing up against that hate and discrimination. And, you know, look, my father came here in 1952, four years after the Chinese Exclusion Act was repealed. And thankfully, we've left that era of our history behind, but there's still more work to do. So we are committed to continuing with programs like the SIP, uh, to ensure that they support minority communities and providing them with additional protections against uh, targeted hate and discrimination. We support uh, better resources for law enforcement to enforce the existing laws on the books so that those who would spew this hatred are prosecuted and held accountable. Um, and we're, we're supportive of taking a look at other new measures, new programs based on um, examples like those used in the United Kingdom, 
such as the Community Security Trust that's been so helpful in enhancing uh, the cooperation of the community being targeted with uh, law enforcement and with the government to ensure that we can counter some of these threats that we're seeing. I'd like to ask uh, Mr. Mendicino about UNRWA. Why is your government continuing to fund UNRWA instead of finding other ways to help Palestinians? Um, I want to make it clear that we are concerned about the incidents that we've heard. As you just mentioned, Minister Gold has pointed out that on every occasion uh, where there has been a report that we have made sure that there was greater transparency and accountability on the part of UNRWA. And indeed, we even uh, withheld funding for a period of time until we got uh, concrete assurances that uh, that those incidences would be addressed. Uh, for example, there were uh, a number of staffers that were dismissed as a result of their misconduct. Uh, but we also have to acknowledge that in the current uh, forum that UNRWA, as imperfect as it is, is the vehicle through which we are accomplishing uh, that important humanitarian objective, which is to try to foster uh, peace by providing education and health and social services. I'm Jules Schachter in Calgary, Alberta, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like. Now, we know Jewish Canadians are also concerned about the broader issues, although somebody said that all issues are Jewish issues. However, one of the biggest issues for so many people, especially young people like Hannah Alper, is climate change. Here was the question she sent in. She's an 18-year-old climate activist. Hi, my name is Hannah Alper, and for the first time this year, I voted, and it felt awesome. As a youth activist, I've been an advocate for the issues of my generation that I'm passionate about and for the voices of young people, whether they can vote or not. What will you do to advocate for the voices of young people and make our voices heard and take action on the causes that we are passionate about? So here's some of the debate on that issue. And listen especially carefully when Avi challenged the Conservatives on how they balance cutting emissions with supporting oil and gas producers in Alberta. The current government has failed to meet the Copenhagen targets of last year and is not on track to meeting Paris. So we have to start ratcheting down our rhetoric and actually start some tough action, some tough work on this, making ever more higher commitments, 40% reduction, 50% reduction by 2030 isn't going to get us to the target. We need serious discussions with our allies about carbon border adjustments. We need to coordinate the price on carbon particularly on the industrial side of the economy with the United States and the European Union. And we need to start to do the heavy lifting on this issue rather than just making ever more grandiose promises about what we're going to do in the next 10 years. Wouldn't the heavy lifting uh, be related a lot more to the uh, oil in, in Alberta and uh, the rest of Canada? That's a great question. But the reality is consumers in this country are just as responsible for the growth in emissions in this country over the last 30 years, as has the oil and gas industry. Well, there is no doubt that our oil and gas sector emissions have grown substantially to about a quarter of all emissions in Canada. The reality is that consumers in this country have equally contributed to the growth in emissions. I wonder if I might chime in here. Despite, uh, uh, Michael, your, your, your efforts at uh, you know, um, trying to strike a nonpartisan tone, I think you acknowledge the problem, but you and the Conservative Party have all the wrong prescriptions. I don't place the blame uh, on Canadian consumers uh, for the challenges that we have with regards to uh, to climate change. Uh, I do think, uh, conversely, that the Liberal Party does have an ambitious plan to tackle one of the big questions of our time. 
by ensuring that we continue to move forward with a putting a price on pollution. That's something that uh, conservative provincial governments, as well as uh, you know, federally, your party has continued to fight. Indeed, Mr. O'Toole says that if elected government, uh, you would go back and revert back to lower targets. We also think as a Liberal Party, we need to protect oceans. We need to move forward by banning single-use plastics. We need to uh, plant 2 billion trees. And we also need to green our infrastructure because it is that sector that is one of the main um, contributors to, uh, to pollution. We what we do now is going to have a very big impact on, on how our children and our, our grandchildren live on this earth. Um, from that point of view, we have to leave oil in the ground. We can't keep increasing our production. We can't buy pipelines. We can't keep increasing our emissions. We have to actually take strict, strict action. We have to stop subsidizing fossil fuel companies. And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality, and customer care. So drop me a line if you're so inclined, and let me know what you thought of the election debate we held. Which candidates impressed you the most, or the least, and what surprised you? One interesting takeaway from Monday's election debate that surprised me was when we polled our viewers, 60% of you said that they'd already voted before Monday. And that didn't even include me and the other three post-game analysts who also had voted before the debate, CJN personalities Rivka Campbell and Joshua Liebline and CJ's president, vice president rather, of government relations, David Cooper. So all four of us had already also voted before the debate. Here's David Cooper of CJA on why he thinks so many people cast their ballots early. It demonstrates that people have heard uh, you know, the information that we've tried to put out and others have tried to put out about advanced polls because of the Jewish holidays. And people have obviously heard this and it's resonated. I'm not surprised about, you know, change of vote. And I think we're a very literate community uh, and people in the community have already read a lot, heard a lot, uh, watched the debates, the prime ministerial, the candidate leadership candidate debates. So... Which were uh, not as good as ours, I have to say, because we yes, let them talk. I'm just debate. saying. <laughs> <laughs> I Little concur. shout out for civility. <laughs> I'm still trying to digest the uh, the national leader, the English one. Mm-hmm.